Hi, I'm Raymond from Insert Quest here, and today we're talking to US RPG designer Craig Page. Craig, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, some of our listeners might not be too familiar with uh, your past work as a game designer, and well, you've got a lot of balls in the air. Uh, could you give us a brief overview of who you are and what it is you do in the game design space? Um, so to give everyone an introduction, my name is Craig Page. I am a uh, US-based uh, game designer and game runner. I'm primarily in the New York City, New Jersey area of the US, so the Northeast. Um, I, my history is primarily in game running. Uh, storytelling, GMing, um, but I'm currently getting into developing live action role play and uh, tabletop games. Yeah, cool. Uh, LARP isn't really a thing that uh, is too popular uh, here in Australia. It's a lot of the scene is mostly just. Um, like skirmishing buffer laps. They don't have a lot of story to them. I know that New Zealand has a pretty large mind's eye theater, which is the water of darkness scene. Yes, could you, do. could you tell us a little bit more about what LARP is as a role playing medium or even what the acronym stands for? Some people might not even know. Uh, LARP stands for live action role play. Um, now uh, it is big. Basically, it works one of two ways. It's either, you know, there are some people who can say that, you know, uh, war recreation, war uh, historical recreations of battles would be uh, technically a LARP. Not a lot of people agree with that, but that is a far example of it. Um, it's one of those hard things. All right, I'm going to be honest. It's one of those hard things that a lot of people currently in the LARP community are arguing. What it boils down to that instead of relying solely on a character sheet, you are dressing up as and performing your character live in a setting with other people doing the same. Hmm. In, um, in LARP, is there, you, you say it's not just representing things with the character sheet. Is there much of an expectation of... If your character is a swordsman, you need to be at least partially capable. Uh, yes, now, there is. How, a how much of your actual skill uh, transfers over? Uh, there is a level of give and take. Uh, it depends on the game. It depends on the system. It depends on the player. Um, I am a passing to middle. I, I'm a passing swordsman. Uh, with some stage and martial experience. I'll get into that when we talk about the game I'm working on. But uh, so I can be okay in a buffer fight. I'm, uh, it, other people would rely more on the skills involved if their game relies on skills. Other people uh, will develop those skills actually in game. Like they can go from, well, I've never held a sword before to being an accomplished swordsman for all intents and purposes because they're actually physically doing it. Uh, I know people who have gone from never having done martial arts before to um, 
getting their black belts in sword styles and in martial arts because their characters were doing it and they wanted to get good at it. Uh, they wanted to hone it both in and out of game. So there is a weird level of give and take, uh, which many of us in the community refer to as bleed. The lines bleed in between each other. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I come from, and we've talked about this a little bit on our podcast from time to time, especially over on Quest Markers uh, on Patreon. Um, I have training as a stage actor. I went to a performing arts high school where you had to audition to get in. I went for drama. I did drama in the high school certificate, which is like the end tier assessment part in Australian schooling. Um, LARP has always sounded kind of interesting to me in that it's got a lot more like theatre production part yes. to it. Um, did, do you also have a background in stage performance? Um, <laughs> uh, I have some uh, practical stage experience, mostly in college. I was working, I was actually working in the office more than I was working the stage. My main experience is with working with um, uh, several Star Wars fan communities, uh, especially the lightsaber stage combat groups. Yes, that's right. I said it. I play with lightsabers. Um, didn't, you, didn't you write a somewhat influential uh, bit of literature on this topic? Yes, I did. Um, so it, to keep it brief, I wrote a paper on the seven forms of lightsaber combat, which was in the expanded universe and now is, again, canon. Uh, in Star Wars. I wrote a paper about it trying to help uh, people who were trying to make it a real thing because we're geeks and we're geeks who want to help make things more real. Um, actually make it more real. Like I, I was trying to write a guidebook to help make it better. And I actually have a blog that talks about that. It is called the Snark Side of the Force. That's S-N-A-R-K, Snark Side of the Force. Uh, look for it online. And uh, look for it in the doobly-doo or the little bit of text beneath this episode. It should be There should be a link to that there. Um, but I, I've been part of the Lightsaber Stage Combat community for since 2009, I think. My God. Um, well, that's and when so I graduated high school. Oh, God, I'm old. Um <laughs> You know you've been in a community too long when you've when you've just stopped and gone. My God, um, but no, I have spent roughly ten years playing with uh, toy glow sticks, and we have learned stage combat through that. And I've helped write and perform in several stage productions, including a. This is my favorite one, by no means the only one. A stage production of the Jedi Macbeth. Yes, I love hearing about that. Shakespeare's I'm, Shakespeare's language, but with lightsabers. Gotta love it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty involved in martial arts. It should be no real surprise then that you ended up making a LARP about martial arts called Kensai. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Kensai is and then we can get into the real meat and bones of this interview? <laughs> 
that that sound of squeeing you can hear from Raymond is uh, so. To preface before we begin, Raymond and I basically met online like about two or three years ago. When I think it was two thousand and twelve. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like like two thousand thirteen or yeah. something like that. So around then, I had come up with the idea for this, and he had. Um, he had said basically, yes, I want in on this, but let's talk about it. So uh, Kensei is, to put it simply, a world martial arts uh, tournament set in a cyberpunk dystopia. Um, it is set in a future date several generations from now. The date has not been set. Where the corporations have given up the ghost and have just declared themselves the ruler of everything. Um, as you know, as things like Neuromancer, even Fight Club have shown us, that produces a nihilistic quality, which has led to many people lashing out violently and trying to express themselves violently. Um, this has become sort of a cottage industry where now f fighting arenas are the new medium like The Running Man or Rollerball or uh, um, The Hunger Games would be another example. There are tournaments of men, women, and those who do not speak the binary of moisture evaporators. Uh, I think I got that right. <laughs> yeah. Who fight as a means of expression and a means of feeling in an otherwise cold world where they are nothing but drones in an office. Um, and it's a game about, you know, are you doing it? Why are you doing this? Are you doing it for the money? Are you doing it for fame, honor? Are you there's doing also, it to express yourself? There's also a little bit of the YouTuber vlogger culture to it, isn't there? Yes, there. Oh, yes, there is. Uh, it is a dream of mine that this uh, that games will be run like on Twitch or on you know or like live streamed on on YouTube. Um, basically, this game is, um, to put it shortly, I know I've said that several times, to put it shortly, it is Bloodsport meets Shadowrun. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel you put it pretty shortly, having listened to you talk about this before, I know that you could go on and on and on, and it would be thrilling to me and probably thrilling to most of our listeners, but... You know, we have to, we have to, art is, uh, art is most interesting uh, when it uh, has to struggle under guidelines and restrictions. Uh, so um, I guess, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the uh, mechanics of Kensai? We won't spend too much time on that, but I, I want to see if we can, if you can give us a bit of an insight into how it how it works, and then I think we might talk a little bit more about the setting. So, what kind of is the general mechanical vibe of Kensei? Um, so, to preface, Kensei is about eighty percent done. Uh, to put uh, to give it a number, one of the major hurdles for this game is that, um, unlike most games, which have a uh, player versus environment quality in that, you know, you're not fighting each other inherently, you're fighting the world around you and sometimes 
each other. This game is roughly 90% character versus character combat. Mm. Um, so one of the things that I'm trying to do is make, and also with the elements of an audience is watching and possibly could affect the world around them, could possibly affect the fight around them. So one of the major tricks that we're trying to work on is how to make this one balanced to entertaining because I've been to boffer skirmishes and boffer tournaments. I've taken part in boffer tournaments. It's fun, but after a while you just see enough people clacking with, you know, with foam swords. You've seen one. Eventually you've just seen them all. So one of the tricks we're trying to do is to make it interesting. One of the ways that we're doing that and, um, is called the Fame system. Uh, fame is an in-game term. It is a form of currency, basically, and is exactly what it says. Uh, if any of anyone has played any of the White Wolf tabletops, uh, like Vampire the Requiem um, or Mage the Awakening, which actually is where I, you know, made my bones as a storyteller. I helped run those games for the Mind's Eye Society. Um, Fame is your status, and there is a hard level of fame. Like this is, you know, this is the the level that you have, and uh, no higher, no you know, no higher basically, unless you succeed in something. But there's also a liquid quality to it. You can bet your fame on other things, and you use your fame to use your skills. Uh, one example. Uh, so we play a lot of Eclipse Phase over here at Insert Quest here, and that has dual economies. It has a post-scarcity economy, um, a gift-giving economy that uses reputation, um, yeah. and then we have a, and then they have a capitalist traditional one that uses credits. Um, is is fame a numerical representation of your status in a community, or is it a or is it uh, your status turned into a physical currency? Well, physical, but like a monetary uh, currency. Uh, no, but one can be converted into the other. Right. So it is It is like rep in Eclipse Phase yes. in that you have fame represents your status and you can turn it into hard currency if you need it. Yes. Uh, hold on a second. Um now, one of the things that we're trying to do is that uh, during game, uh, you can go up to a player and go, you know, you, me, no skills, just one-on-one -on -one fighting. I'll bet you 10 fan. Uh, when you do that, that is the amount that you're going into the fight with. That is the amount that you've agreed to use. So you can have, like, someone who has, like, 100 fame, like, that they can use at any point. But if they go into a fight and agree upon 10 as the betting measure, then they can only use 10 fame during that entire game. And that is the amount that they'll lose if they should lose, or whatever the conditions of the game are. Right, so fame also affects, like, skill expenditure? Yes, yes. So it's kind of like action points or fate points as well. That would be, yes. Uh, a, quite a bit of the system takes its cues from Fate, mm -hmm. uh, especially Fate Core, 
You I'm worked on the Dresden Files LARP, didn't you? Uh, I worked on a Dresden Files LARP, uh, uh, and they were very much involved and invested in the use of uh, consequences, which is these these are it's the real damage, the damage that lasts with you for the uh, for a long time unless you seek immediate attention. I've always liked that because I'm not a fan of damage as a quantitative measure, like just, oh, well, you have five aggravated, you yeah. know, to use an example. That doesn't really tell you how badly you're screwed up. Whereas, you know, um, spattered and bruised in, is far more... Yeah, internal hemorrhaging, you know. Oh. You know for a fact, my God, I'm bleeding from the inside. Help me. Um, it gives... Knowing, get, getting qualitative information, knowing exactly or roughly what the hell is wrong with you adds a level of realness to it other than just a sterile number. Uh, my opinion, uh, it also would not, let you, I mean, in a, in a tabletop lap, a tabletop role playing game, it would let you describe your character's movements after injury better. Yes. In a, in a lap, I imagine having qualitative damage would allow you to act out what you're doing but like someone yes. that is burned and uh and and uh and internal hemorrhaging yes. might be might be similar yes. levels of damage but you're going to play them out completely differently yes yes um can you give you an example for uh those of you who who uh have been who do mostly tabletop i know i know you have mostly tabletop uh, audience uh we were doing one game at a camp and one character had gotten shot in the ankle by a sniper. And as they were running. Oh. So they then had to, like, literally, and the, the guy, the player, literally, like, dropped down to the ground and played out, having been shot in the ankle, and then continued to, like, hobble themselves back to the safe zone. Um... And anytime they tried to like make a pull that resulted in that, uh, in doing anything athletic, like I, I believe they tried to actually climb the building to get like way up and over because I think the building was also in, in like going in was also suicide. W whatever reason they pulled it, but there was also consequences to the pull. So, mm. you know, so there are, you know, there's mechanical deficits, but and there's also the deficit of having to act it out pull because in the game in the particular game mm -hmm. example you're talking about you pull cards from a deck yes or, yeah. uh, i actually thought i had a couple of them over here but uh generally uh not uh not, this is not for kensei this is just for that game in particular. that particular one yeah indeed i just yeah. wanted to in case people were wondering what that meant yeah. i yeah um yeah for a buffer game it basically is you already have the stats and numbers available and you can mm -hmm. just call it out mm -hmm. or something of that measure. Again, we're not 100% there with the mechanics. Uh, subject is... Uh, card is subject to change, basically. Um, so... Uh, is there... I mean, we talked about uh, skill uh, in role-playing, in LARP and things like that, and you were mentioning the um, fame system... Uh, pertains to skills is there is there a uh is there like a does a new player start out with a certain level of fame uh 
or is there or is there like a, a basic training activity you'd get a, a new player to go through at their first Kensai game where they would, you know, earn a little bit of fame by, you know, going through basic sword training, which would also presumably, or, or martial arts training or whatever, which would presumably also allow you to do, this is how we safely engage in combat in our game uh, yes. and then cover you for like insurance purposes. Because I know when I was doing reenactment, we had to go through a certain amount of actual safety training with the weapons in order to be allowed to uh, compete and fight one another in order to qualify for sports insurance? Um, two points. I just want to make clear. Uh, well, the first one is to your answer to your question. Yes to both. Uh, you walk in with a little bit of fame and you always have the ability to gain experience, gain uh, fame in whatever you do. If you want to put up a blog, we can talk about it. There are actually report, um, which brings me to my second point. Um, in Kensei, you, Every uh, basically anyone can fight, but not everyone in game has to be a fighter. Mm. Um, that's one of the key key things I want to bring up is that uh, this is a community based around fighters, but you can play the managers that make the deals behind you know in the background. Um, for any wrestling fans out there, think like Bobby the Brain Heenan, Paul Heyman, man, you know the managers on the on the sidelines at football games or, or soccer games. Um, sorry, I'm American. Uh, your your football and my football. Um, it's 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 football. If it's adults playing, if it's kids playing, we call it soccer. That's interesting. Mm. The more you know. Hey. Um, so so you can play. Uh, sorry, going back to the train of thought. You can play the managers. You can play medics. You can play merchants. Uh, you can play reporters, entertainers. You basically play the members of this uh, cottage industry that is formed around people beating the crap out of each other for various reasons. I think reporter would be a very interesting one to play. To be honest. Yes, uh, you had mentioned Mind's Eye Society. Uh, Previously, and uh, uh, with Vampire the Requiem, you know, uh, in Vampire they have a uh, office in the Vampire hierarchy called the Harpies, and I've always appreciated that because there is someone holding the rest of the at least one person holding the rest of the group accountable for their behavior, mm. um, because you can walk into the game. Um, as a, you know, level one character and say a person who is level 20 um, walks up to you and starts like harassing you or starting a row or something, that's going to get back to people. That's going to get back to people and that's going to look negatively on them. And the reporters will either, you know, argue with each other as to, oh, well, he did it for such and such a reason, or this guy's an ass. Why are we, we're not going to reward this person with fame and money and accolades if they're going to harass level ones. Like, why, why do that? Like, and because that's also the other thing that, you know, it's a community, you know, it's one of the, one of the, like I said, it, uh, when designing this game, I'm trying to figure out balance and behavior 
Mm. Um, because it's a game about beating each other with sticks. And it's, well, it's a game that fe- uh, features heavily beating each other with sticks. And it can just evolve into a, a whack-a-mole match. And I don't really want that. Mm. Like, this is about the game features contained combat. Ri- almost ritualized combat. Like, you only fight each other in the ring against each other, or you're only there to make deals to try and get one up. And these are your characters trying to do that, not specifically the players. Like, I, it's one of the things I'm trying to enhance character versus character conflict mm-hmm. and not player versus player conflict because sometimes when it's player versus player conflict, it gets messy because then it stops being about the game and more about the personal tensions of two people. So is there an emphasis on uh, sportsmanship and such within the fictional setting of Kensai? Like are the, how much uh, do the participants in these tournaments, the characters in these tournaments um, buy into Yes, we're fighting one another, but we're fighting one another willingly. Like we're here to. This is a. This is a. We are a community of fighters. We're not at war with one another. That that's it exactly. Um, there is. It's a game about competition, not conflict. Um, mm. There are. Uh, when you when you join when you enter the game, you are a member of one of five. Um, schools of martial arts and in in this setting school of martial arts takes on a broad term um because they also train managers reporters um medics merchants basically they 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 become their own businesses but they teach people uh the hows and whys to go about doing their business so you are so when you walk in you are a member of a smaller community inside the larger community and there's a little bit of give and take with each and every one of them. So, do do the schools function more as um, philosophical approaches to the to this uh, more than more than um, more than like say a martial arts school might teach certain styles of combat, whereas this focuses on the philosophy of fighting or fighting or competing or acting in this community. In this sense, it is more about the why than the mechanical how. Hmm. Um, So you can have, um, you know, people, you know, you can walk into, there's one group uh, in there called the Knox school, K N O X school. Hmm. Uh, They are the hard hitting barroom brawlers, you know, who really aren't in it for fame or money. They really just enjoy fighting. They don't like things to get complicated. And you can see, you know, and now that kind of attitude leads to, you know, like a lot of people using uh, fist weapons, uh, which in this, uh, in the American offer LARPs, uh, fist weapons are represented by like a, like, maybe like a foot long buffer buffer knife, like little, and we call them beaters, 
So you're not actually doing actual hand-to-hand combat. You're just basically using incredibly short uh, buffer swords. I am surprised that that's the way they decided to represent that. I would have just gone for boxing gloves, no face strikes. Um, it's still going to hurt like hell. It's well, yeah, I get that. I yeah. guess my, my, I think we've we talked about this uh, a few years ago. My philosophy reenactment in Australia yeah. has the philosophy of all weapons are dangerous. We can't make weapons not dangerous. So let's yeah. make. Let's make the way we use weapons not dangerous. So that's yeah. a philosophy of safety thing. I, I don't know about your end of the world, but my end of the world is a little bit more litigious. Um, so we yeah. try to we, we, we try and keep it as safe as possible. And um, so yeah, no, I, know, I understand so the philosophies <laughs> there. So the first, yeah. um, the general, my general understanding of the philosophy in most Buffalops is that uh, the philosophy towards safety is we want this to be so that anyone can pick up the thing and not yep. hurt someone. Whereas, like yep. Australian uh, live uh, Australian living history reenactors have the focus yep. of well, these are they're, they're weapons. It's very much like um, a lot of the way gun safety is taught. In that, it doesn't yes. matter if it's a training gun or whatever; it's a gun. You, like, you get a gun. Uh, it's one of the things we learned in stage combat is like, again, I learned with, I learned how to use a lightsaber before I learned how to use a sword. You still treated the damn lightsaber like it was a weapon because yeah. if you don't treat it like it's real, why the hell should anyone else around you treat it like it's real? Hmm. Um, but um, it's actually just to, uh, put it out there. Like again, I'm talking about American LARP. There are other schools of LARPing philosophy. Uh, the Nordic styles uh, in Europe uh, basically go. Well, if you're going to do it, do it live. Like there's, you know, they they're very much into you know, you know, systems of actually trying to represent it as close as humanly possible. Wasn't without, there a um, Nordic LARP set in the desert where they? Bought out a warehouse and cranked the AC. I actually didn't. You know, I haven't heard about that one. I remember hearing about one. It was. It was actually a foc- had a focus on intimacy and romance. Um, oh yeah, no, it was uh, based off of Ursula K. Le Guin. But it was like set in the desert, uh, and they had yeah, the. Um, it was uh, run by Elliot Weislander, and I'm murdering their name. Um, I mean, Vicelander is probably. Yeah. I mean, you're close enough, I feel. It's a, uh, it's there was a, a V, right? I I don't know. I've never met them, and I'm, I I try not to murder someone's last name if I've never met them. Um, it it seems rude, but no, it was a, yeah, it was a game about uh, intimacy, politics, and they had come up with a system to uh, how to simulate. Um, uh, intimacy, physical intimacy, because in some buffer games, you know, some people use like back rubs to uh, simulate uh, sexual or physical intimacy, um, which in that case, I would be considered a whore in any game that I'm in because I get back rubs to everyone. Um, but they actually managed a, sy- uh, a system to make it complete, you know, give it, give it the feeling without the actual act. Wasn't uh, it forearm touching? 
Uh, yes, forearms, shoulders, nothing above or below that. Uh, it's called Ars Amadi, A-R-S-A-M-A-D-I. I think that's the name. It's either Ars Amadi or Ars Amandi. I'm not the authority on it, but Google it. It will, uh, if you're running a game, Google it, be responsible, and always be consensual when it comes to physically touching other players. Thank you very much. That is your PSA for tonight. Um, uh, going back to Kensei, I, I can do a LARP conversation for hours, um, <laughs> but we, uh, we don't want to do that. Um, so going back to schools in Kensei, um, like I said, there's the Knox school where you can, you know, where having a bare knuckle brawler in, in that school is perfectly legitimate. It's actually the stereotype. But you can also have someone who walks in with a sword or a ball bat or like a spear or just like a giant like re like steel rebar with a cement like brick on the other end. Having it's picked whenever- up a piece of rebar with cement on the end, I wouldn't recommend using it as a weapon. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it's amazing what you can make out of you know uh, foam these days. I've I've seen some pretty interesting weapon props at games. Um, uh, I'm a perf- I'm a fan of uh, the Boffer Fireman's Axe. Good weapon to have on, you, especially oh, yeah. the zombie mm. Um But you know the uh, the school you can come in wanting to do a million different things, and like I said, you don't have to play a fighter. You can play a manager, just trying to make sure that these guys have like the connections they need to survive, especially for a group that doesn't want to make money someone's got to be the responsible one to make sure that whatever they do, they make it through the night. Mm. So you need, you need someone who's willing to like make deals legit or otherwise with some of the medics in town, trying, you know, to make sure that one, if they get out of the fight, there's going to be someone there checking to make sure that they're not, you know, too broken up inside. Um, And again, you've got, you know, I always love the reporters. Uh, they're always in the background watching. You, have, you know, are people just standing around and wanting to entertain the ones on camera, like you know, uh, comedians. But you know, basically, this is a people using this just to get famous stuff like that. I mean, something that sounds really intriguing to me about Kensai as a as an experiment in design is the fact that a lot of the mechanics, um, umpiring, and a lot of the safety systems for running this game are built into the setting by the setting being so close to what the actual game is. Like, it's a game about conflict in, in some aspect, a game about fighting at least, and, and, and the support industry that forms around it. And then the support industry for the people playing that game is built into the storytelling of the game. Oh, oh we need someone to adjudicate this this um, this session. We need a ref. We be the actual ref in game. Yeah, uh, the referees would be in game marshals uh, to uh, for for some people, and they can be there in character, or they can just be like you know the invisible marshal in case you want to do like a side duel in a back room or if it's at a camp, you know, in some, like, dark, secluded, like, grove 
and you want to have like a moonlight duel with your arch nemesis, you know, possibly to the death. And, you know, you want it to be cool, but you don't want anyone really to see it. So you go up to operations and you just go, we need a marshal for a private fight. Done. So go, go do what you got to do. Um, this game is, uh, as I was writing it, I'm looking around going, since, because uh, one of the things about LARPs are most of them historically have been in the past or have been in a alternate history where, you know, or a dystopian future where current terminology or, you know, isn't prevalent. Like, you can mention a character's level in this in-game, in-character. Like, that is something that you can say. Like, I walk in, I'm a level 25 swordsman of the School of the Way, and everyone will know that this is someone who is trained a lot and should not be easily messed with. And that also, you know, and then you also have, like, you know, well, your fame is, you know, you're, you're running on low, you're, I'm low on fame means that I'm running low on energy. I can't really do that much. I need to do more stuff to get my fame pumping for, for the rest of the game. A lot of this is meta, and it helps bleed the lines and makes it a lot easier to discuss and communicate. Yeah, these, there's, so, uh, there's so little in the game that is not represented by a thing that is actually happening in the game. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I I need to get a new sword this session. You just say, I yeah. need to get a new sword before my match later today. Boom, done. Like, yeah. I, I really, it really attracts me. It allows, you never have to break character uh, when playing Kensai, at least from the way it's been described to me and the way you've talked about it tonight and the way you've talked about it in the past. Um, what is, what's the release schedule for Kensei like? When is, when are you looking to have it finished? Is that even on the horizon? How, um, what are you going to, is there going to be a Kickstarter or is there some other funding method? Or what's happening with it? Uh, I cannot confirm any sort of uh, crowdfunding efforts yet, just because again, we're only at 80%. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking for game completion by the end of the year and for something, um, either play testing and then Kickstarter or uh, funding after that, we will, things will, it will, I am looking, and again, do not hold me to any of this uh, card is subject to change. Uh, I am looking to have the full rules and everything ready to run games by first quarter of 2018. Wonderful. Um, are you going to be at Gen Con this year? I am planning on going uh, going to Gen Con this year. I will be with Phoenix Outlaw Productions. I will be helping. Uh, I will be helping them run uh, the Dresden Files uh, LARP there uh, uh, under the Empire City Chronicles. I am also going to be running several of their tabletop games, uh, including Dream Diver, uh, written by Josh Harrison of Phoenix Outlaw Productions. It's under the Fake Core rules. Um, brilliant. Well, if you're watching this live stream, uh, or if you are watching this video before, or if you're listening to this before it gets uh, released to the podcast stream, uh, and you happen to be going to Gen Con, check out those things. Um, Cool. Uh, 
Craig, is there anything else you wanted to mention to us? Um, thank you all for listening. Um, actually, I do have uh, one, uh, a couple of plugs that I have to put in. Um, yeah, go for it. Just, We'd love to know where we can find you online and, and all that kind of yep. stuff, all the projects you're working on. Uh, I, as again, I have to, uh, I work for Phoenix Outlaw Productions. They are a LARP and tabletop designing company based in uh, the United States, in New York and New Jersey. Um, I, you can find me personally on my, again, my uh, Star Wars blog is the snarksideoftheforce.com. I also have a gaming blog called Other Worlds Than These. That is, uh, just Google otherworldsthenthese.com. Uh, and I think it's on Blogspot. I don't even know where my own game where my own game blog is. Dear Lord. Um, <laughs> I also have a the easiest place to find me online is actually at my Patreon page. Uh, it's www.patreon.com slash Craig Page, C-R-A-I-G-P-A-G-E. Uh, there you will find uh, links to all of my blogs and also several of the uh, fictional serials that I am putting out, including a, uh, a, a series of uh, a book that I'm writing uh, featuring LARPers and tabletop players and the characters that they uh, portray. So one chapter you'll see the players talking about stuff going in-game in their lives, and then the next chapter you'll actually go into the game world with their characters. Uh, if you're a fan of Alina Pete's Were Geek, you'll be familiar with, with uh, that sort of idea. Um, that series name is Bleed, and you can find it on my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Craig Page. And I think that's about it. I am sort of starting to ramble more. No, that is fantastic. Thank you for all of that. And thank you for uh, staying up late and talking to us uh craig uh hopefully uh the rest of your weekend goes well and uh have fun at gen con thank you very much and it was very nice to finally get to meet you in the uh in the voice yeah i don't think we'd ever talked um nope. over voip before um wonderful uh thank you all for listening and if you are just tuning in for the first time to insert quest here we normally do actual plays, although we were, uh, we also do interviews and discussions. Uh, you can find us on a whole bunch of social media, uh, including Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and we also have a Patreon where you can help us uh, interview more people. And uh, you can also see behind-the-scenes stuff about our podcast, uh, including updates uh, and game design discussions. Uh, thank you so much for coming, uh, coming on the show, Craig. And uh, we can't wait uh for kensai to be released uh and and to hear more about it uh we're so i'm just yeah i'm really into it it's it's my jam yep. uh you're, you're gonna be one of the first people to know raymond <laughs> all right well uh farewell from the past uh i'm raymond <laughs>